Greetings and welcome back to the OU's Shnayim Mikra. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom. And today we'll be looking at the third Aliyah in our parasha, Parashat Chayi Sarah. As we finished the second Aliyah in the previous podcast, Avraham had administered an oath to his servant, Zakan Beto, the older man of his house, or the trusted servant of his house, that he would t- find a wife for Yitzchak back from Abraham's family and not have him marry a local girl. The servant then made a request, and that is, what should I do in case the girl that I find, and we noted yesterday that he assumes that he will find a girl who is proper for Yitzchak, and there's one specific one, and of course that does turn out to be Rifkah. What will happen if she is not willing to come back to Canaan, and he is told in no uncertain terms, that he must not bring Yitzchak back to Haran. Yitzchak must stay in Eretz Canaan, and the girl must be willing to follow him. If she is not willing to follow him, then uh, the uh, servant is free of the oath. We pick up at that point in Pasuk Yod. Just a small point about the Gemalim. Uh, this is one of the first mentions of uh, camels, and the first mention, really, of camels being used, as opposed to the gift that Avraham got of camels at the end of uh, chapter uh, chapter 12, um, and in Lech Lecha. And uh, it's the first time that we find camels being used in the typical long-range transportation uh, from which we're familiar. For a long time, this was a point of contention because the uh, Bible critics uh, were fond of pointing out that camels had not been domesticated for use in the Middle East until approximately the 13th century um, BCE, much later than the story of Abraham. And they like to parade this as one of the many arguments indicating that the Tanakh, the Chumash, was written really much later and is anachronistic, etc., etc., However, more recent research has uncovered the fact that we do have records of domesticated camels going as far back as the 18th century BCE, the time of Avraham. Uh, so much for that. Um, in any case, um, he takes the camels and um, uh, he had all of his master's good stuff gold, silver, etc. He comes to Aram Naraim, this is now northern Syria, southern Turkey, to the city of Nahor. Nahor, of course, is Abraham's brother. So, which has nothing to do with the word Baracha, is Lavrich is from the word Berach, means to make the camels kneel down. He has them kneel down outside of the city, where the well is. The wells typically were outside of the city. Laet Erev Laet Tseit And he got there at evening time, which is when the women would come out to draw the water from the well and to bring it back into the city. Vayomar. And then he turns and says, Adonai, Elohe Adonai Avraham, Notice how he addresses God. Not the God of heaven and earth, as Abraham described him, but the God of his master, Abraham. Greet me, as it were, or have things occurred for me today. And do things for me, which is a kindness for my master, Abraham. Which explains why he's addressing Hashem as the God of Abraham. 
Behold, I'm going to stand at the spring. The girls are coming out, the daughters of the city. There will be a girl that I will say to her, please tip your jug, that I might drink. And if she turns around and says, drink, and I will also give drink to your camels, that's the one that you have proven to be for Yitzchak. And it's through her that I will know that you've done chesed. Meaning, she will be the litmus test if you've done chesed, kindness with my master. Who's my master? Well, my master is Avraham. You will have done kindness for Avraham by proving that she is the appropriate one for Yitzchak. We'll have to take a look at that in a minute, but let's finish at least looking at the psukim. And it happened before he was even finished speaking. It was the words were barely out of his mouth. Vihine. Now, important to note, the word vihine in biblical narrative is used as a surprise. We get the full Yechas, this is Rivka, who is born to the Tuel, the son of Milka, who is the wife of Nachor, Achi Abraham, so this is family, al And she has her jug on her shoulder, so she's one of the drawers. And we're told that she is quite beautiful. In other words, she is unmarried. So, so far, she's fitting the bill perfectly. She's pretty, she's unattached, she's a water drawer, and she goes down and fills up her jug. And now the servant comes and runs towards her, and so you get the sense that she's the only one who's there right now. Please give me some of your your water. Actually, not please. He says, give me some of your water now. The word not in Chumash and Tanakh means now. Give me now some water from your jug. And so she says, drink. She took the jug off uh, onto, put it onto her hand, and she gave him the drink. When she was finished, she said on her own, Remember, the camels have gone several hundred miles uh, through the through partially desert area. They, as typical, come now to an oasis, a place to get water, and she offers to give them drink until they're done drinking. Um, I have heard it told that in uh, in her classes, they would talk about how much a camel would have to drink after going that distance, based on what they were able to find out from zoologists, and figured out that this was a job that would take several hours of non-stop drawing water for one person to do. They took a measure of a typical size of a, uh, of a jug of the days. So she filled it in, went into the water, to the, where the water was. She ran back to the well, and she drew for all of his camels. This is now going on for a while. He is sort of in shock. Silently, He wants to know if Hashem has made his way successful, which is a little bit strange, because at this point, it should be like a slam dunk that his way has been successful. Exactly what he has asked for has come before him. He's got a girl who has offered to give him drink, and offered to give drink to his camels, and uh, he's still not sure, because there's some, some one, one more piece to the puzzle. 
And that is that Avram had said, you have to take somebody from my family. We're, no, we know she's from the family, he doesn't know. So what is the first thing he does? He takes out a nose ring, which is one becca of weight. A becca is a half shekel. Um, uh, sorry, a, a becca is a half shekel. And then put two bracelets. Weight of ten gold. And then, Vayura Batmiat, we'll get to this in the next Aliyah, Vayura Batmiat, he says, whose daughter are you? Is there somewhere in your father's house that we can lodge? So the first thing she, he asks, who are you? And then, is there somewhere to stay? So on the one hand, he's asking, who are you? In a sense of amazement. You're an amazing person. Please tell me who you are. And then he pushes further, saying, and I need another favor. What is her answer? So she tells who her father is. Good, she gives her full, full yichas. But notice the other piece of the question. He had asked her, is there somewhere for us to, to, to lodge? And depending on what kind of family this would be, it may be where she, a family where she would either say, no, we don't, or I'll have to ask at home. Instead, what does she say? We've got lots of straw, we've got lots of food for the animals, and a place to stay. Meaning that on her own, this young girl, who is the daughter of the house, is inviting this stranger in with all of his animals, and she'll take care of him, which means one of several things. Either, on the one hand, this girl is, in some sense, the lord of the manor. doesn't sound like it from the way she introduces herself. Or about Petuel, Ben Milkash, Yaldal, and Achor, where she's built on Yichas, not on independence. Or it means that this is a house where hospitality is the norm, and she knows that if a stranger comes, she can freely invite him in without having to worry about repercussions from the house. Figuring that the second is the reality, the man bowed and, and prostrated himself to Hashem, thanking him for the blessing. And that's the end of the Aliyah in the next podcast. We'll look at how, what, how his response plays out and how the rest of the scene plays out. But in the meantime, there is a general question about this entire scene, which uh, Hazal are uh, not necessarily um, moved positively by this slave's uh, behavior. The Gemara Chulin says, And there's a machlok at Rishonim between the Rambam and the Ravid. What that means does that mean that any divination, that's a literal translation, that is not similar to this one, is not a violation of the prohibition of divination? Or does it mean that um, any divination that is not like this isn't going to work? But in any case, the, his request brings up an, another very large question. What was his mission? Avraham said nothing about the character of the girl. Avraham said, your job is to go there and find a member of the family who's willing to pick up and come back and be the wife of Yitzchak. He said nothing about hospitality or about greeting and taking care of drink. In the meantime, the servant comes, and what should he have said based on that? Hashem, I'm standing here. Please send a girl who turns out as a relative of Avraham and is single and is willing to pick up and leave. He doesn't do that. Instead, he gives an entire hospitality test. What's behind it? So let's examine for a minute. Why is it that Avraham 
travels throughout the world, comes from Haran, goes to Canaan, goes to Mitzrayim, comes back to Canaan, travels all around Canaan, meets with diplomatic heads, etc., etc. Yaakov runs away back to Haran, then ends up in Mitzrayim, and that's where he dies. And yet Yitzchak has to stay in Israel, and he can't even go to Haran to find a wife, as he sent Yaakov to find a wife in Haran. Why not? So the answer lies in something that really belongs to last week's Parsha, is the events, the, the single most powerful event that happened that affected Yitzchak, which of course was the moment of his life, the Akedah. Chazal tell an in, in, interesting uh, tale in explaining the uh, blindness, the early onset of blindness that Yitzchak experienced. One of the explanations for the blindness is that when Yitzchak was on the rock, on the, uh, as he was bound, and Avram was about to slaughter him, the angels cried. And the tears of the angels went into Yitzchak's eyes, and years later caused him an early onset of blindness. What do Chazal mean by this? Well, a simple understanding of that Midrash is what the Chazal intended to say, that the Akedah was the formative moment of Yitzchak's life. It affected and defined who he was for the rest of his life. And what was that? Yitzchak was the Olat Yitzchak was the Korban put on the Mizbeach. But as Rashi explains in, the, in his commentary on the Akedah, when Hashem told Yitzchak, Avram to take Yitzchak and Haleu Sham Leola, and then when Avram's about to take the knife out and slaughter him, Hashem stops him, so Rashi has a whole interplay there, in which Avram turns to God and says, I don't get it. First you tell me I have a son, then you tell me to slaughter him, then you tell me to, to not slaughter him, which is it? And HaKadosh Baruch says, My words don't change. I told you, you have a son, you have a son. I told you to go up there and make him an Ola. How do you make him an Ola? Put him on Good. Put him up, now take him down. I never said to kill him. In other words, the point of the Akedah was to reformulate who Yitzchak was. From Ben Avraham to Olat Mimah. Not that he ceases being Ben Avraham, but he suddenly is the Korban. And that's why, as we'll see in Parshat Toldot, when Yitzchak wants to leave Eretz Yisrael to go to Egypt to follow his father's footsteps at the time of famine, Hashem says, you've got to stay here. And what does Rashi say? Afenort? What does Rashi say right there? He says that... <laughs> You are the perfect korban. Chutzlaretz is beneath you. You can't leave Israel. Israel is like your Mizbeach. You have to stay on the altar. And so very much in the same way. Yitzchak is somebody who cannot leave Eretz Yisrael. But there's something else that happened. If you notice in the story of the Akedah, Yitzchak disappears after the Akedah. When Avraham comes down, he does come down alone. He leaves with the lads. Yitzchak is not there. And Yitzchak is not there when Sarah dies and when Sarah is buried. And when negotiations for Marat HaMachbelah, Yitzchak is absent. Yitzchak is going to be absent until the end of this chapter when he meets Rivka. And suddenly he comes back. Yitzchak is a very, very different person than Avraham. And it's something that we'll look at a lot more in next week's discussion of Parsha Toldot. And being that different kind of person means that if Avraham is interested in having his legacy continue, of reaching out, of diplomacy, of hospitality, of interaction with people, it's not going to be through Yitzchak. Yitzchak's a different power, that he brings a different power to the family. So it's going to have to be through Yitzchak's wife. What kind of person is he looking for? That's very simple. Who, what does he describe to a slave? I want you to find somebody who will pick up and leave Haran and come here for a vision. 
the vision of marrying into the family and joining the legacy. Basically, what is Avraham telling his slave he wants? An Avrahama. He's saying, I need someone as a daughter-in-law who will do what I did to leave that place and come here and start a new life. The servant understands it very well. So what does the servant do? He goes and sets up a test to find an Avrahama. Here I am. If somebody comes and offers me hospitality, and she is a girl, and she's from the family, and she's single, that's the girl. And as soon as he opens, as finishes saying what he is, uh, his tefillah, and his request, suddenly there is Rivka, there we have the Shidduch, and therein is the rest of Jewish history. Okay, we will pick up with the fourth Aliyah in the next podcast. In the meantime, everyone should have a wonderful, wonderful day.